and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for the Athletic. It is Thursday morning here in the DMV. Hope everyone is doing well as we continue to wait and see what is going to happen with regards to the franchise sale. Is When is something going to happen? Who is it going to be? And I feel like at the Jeff Bezos piece of this, we have not talked about a ton in in any real detail, at least, because in part there just hasn't been that much. Well, we tried to fill in some of those blanks today with our guest, Teddy Schleifer from Puck News, had a really interesting story uh, up on the website uh, uh, this week about Jeff Bezos, uh, Teddy's primary job is as he describes it as we just talked is the rich guy beat he deals with a lot of silicon valley billionaires so he gives us some perspective on the bezos part of it what his strategy may be here why he might be um more more uh closer to being the favorite than perhaps we realize uh so interesting conversation i really enjoyed diving in that with teddy we'll get to that in just a moment here on the podcast, which of course you can find on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you do your podcasting. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. You can follow Teddy on Twitter at Teddy S C H L E I F E R. And of course, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more here uh, on some other commanders football topics, including prospects coming in to Ashburn. Uh, I have a new story up today as well that I will get to in a moment about what does Washington do with Chase Young's fifth-year option? Uh, let me just start with uh, before we get to all of the, before we get to the ownership stuff and the Chase Young stuff. Let me start with the prospects who are coming in to Ashburn for these top thirty visits. Top thirty is always a weird term, and maybe just you know the the, the better way is just calling them thirty because that's how many they have. Uh, the, how many times they can bring up? How many players they can bring in? to the facility or uh, to, to have, you know, a more in-depth meeting with them because they're players that are all over the, the board. It's not like top 30 on their board or anything. So I've reported out a couple things on this as others have as well. I uh, reported yesterday that Joey Porter Jr., the Penn State cornerback who is often mentioned as a, as a candidate for Washington at 16 uh, based on their need and the board he was in this week. Um, and when I started like piecing it together, Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida, another player in the mix in the first round, he's also uh, come in to visit. And I started like looking at the board as I started putting a list together of who has been, who has come in, who have I been able to confirm, what are some of the other reports out there. And what I realize is twofold. One, this is not the most, this is kind of an underwhelming year for these types of top 30 visits. Largely, I think, because there's no, for two reasons. One, there's really no quarterback push. Yes, they are going to meet with Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback. But I, I, I don't, to me, that's not a first round pick for Washington at 16. I don't even know if it's a, a second round pick. But, you know, at some point, considering quarterback, you have to consider any, um, you know, any options you find viable. But it's not like the past couple of years where, like, hey, were they going to get involved, you know, in in the draft when it was the Justin Fields, Mac Jones draft that they ended up taking Jamin Davis? 
you know, last year. Fine, they had Carson Wentz. They had already made that move. But, you know, what else? You know, it seemed like they were probably going to be drafting a Sam Howell or a Desmond Ritter or someone in that in that vein. Also, the other thing is, though, the positions, like, you know, we don't always know what they're going to do. They, they have you know, different ways they could go pretty much every year. But this year, it's been pretty obvious. I mean, every time I've done a mock draft or thought about it, it's always pretty, even after free agency, it remains the same. Offensive line, almost anywhere, and cornerback slash a fifth defensive back. But cornerback, there is no obvious third cornerback right now until Kendall Fuller signs an extension. He's a free agent after the, at, at the end of the year. And I don't know who the fifth starting defensive back is regardless. And then you look at their actual top 30 visits that we know of. And all of them are basically what I just said. Offensive line and secondary. Here, for example, here, here, here's the names I have here that have either th- that I've confirmed have either come in or are coming in. Osiris Torrance, I mentioned, guard from Florida. He's not, I believe he's not allowed a sack in four years. He he, he transferred to Florida this year. Uh, wildly, wildly impressive numbers. But, you know, as we know, guard's not always the sexiest position to take, but very good, very good prospect. Darnell Wright, tackle from Tennessee, a right tackle. He is somebody that logically is in play at 16. Uh, then you have guys more of like on the day two or later range. Uh, guard uh, Joey Stromberg, Antonio Maffi, Steve Avila, Dewan Jones from Ohio State. Uh, they are either have come in or expected to come in. Uh, Joe Tipman, the center from Wisconsin, I, I've heard could be coming in as well, which would make some sense. Uh, obviously, Washington has some center options, but from a long-term perspective, I don't think, I think they could use something for sure. Uh, then you have the defensive backs. I mentioned Joey Porter Jr. I was told that uh, Alabama safety slash cornerback Brian Branch has visited. DJ Turner, cornerback from Michigan, who ran, uh, he may have, he, he ran like an insane forty time. Like it may have been the fastest forty in the combine this year, but it was certainly one of the top numbers he visited. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes, uh, super skinny but impressive cornerback from Mississippi State, is expected to come in next week. And Terrell Smith, cornerback from Miss from Minnesota, is expected to come in at some point as well. That is, let's see here, three, four, seven. That's 12 names. The only other two that I've been able to, that, that, that I've confirmed or that I see out there, Hendon Hooker and DeMarvian Overshawn, great name, linebacker from Texas. Those are the only names that I know of. Now, obviously, that's not 30 names. So, you know, maybe all the other names are, you know, running backs, tight ends, and you know, and uh, wide receivers. Who knows? And they did meet with people, of course, at the Combine, at the Senior Bowl. They've gone to Pro Days. So it's not just about these top 30 visits at all. And these top 30 visits do not always indicate this is the player they're going to take. John Dodson didn't come in last year. They they met with him at, at Penn State. They'd obviously studied him, et cetera. But it does seem like we've got a pretty strong theme here. Offensive line, cornerback. And, you know, you've heard me say this before. I think that. In terms of the starting lineup right now, cornerback 
and or that sort of fifth defensive back is the biggest question because I really have no idea what they would do if there was a game tomorrow. Whereas on the offensive line, I think they have enough people to put out a reasonable starter, starting five. I just don't think they have that much excitement or upside talent there. Um, and that's where I think they could use more of that and and, and and why it would make sense for them to take an offensive lineman at 16 or, 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 or even multiple guys in the first four rounds. But just looking at the names on the list, I was like, okay, we're not crazy. Offensive line, cornerback, this is where they are looking at um, and for sure. Now, again, I, I still think that, and this is just more of a hunch, but just trying to read between the lines and remembering what happened last year, that they would like to trade down. And I think that would make a lot of sense for both of these positions because guys like Osiris Torrance probably are going to be there, I would think, in the later part of the first round, early second. I think the same goes for just a lot of cornerbacks. Sure, if a Devin Witherspoon from Illinois is there at 16, uh, he had his pro day and ran a, uh, this week and ran a really uh, impressive 40 time. You got to strongly consider that. But if you wait, you know, some of these other names like a Forbes, like a Turner, uh, Julius Brents from Kansas State, who I like, these guys could be there in round two and give you some pretty good value. So I don't necessarily know which one they will go for at 16, depending on the board. But I, th- this has been my argument all along as to why the, these guys would be the ones to watch. And I, and I will just say for Overshawn, who's the one linebacker on this list, he's been the guy that I've used often in my mock drafts. I'm not saying I, 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 I felt that he was like the greatest guy, like there was some, you know, that I knew something about him in Washington, but just as I was like looking through potential options of linebackers, he's just one that stood out to me. So um, yeah, I think that is uh, all something to keep an eye on as we go through Um the the rest of these 30 visits and uh we'll see what other names uh come up um all right one other thing here before we get to my my interview uh with regards to chase young and the fifth year option i don't uh i laid out i think a lot of the details here in my news story and i have seen you know people say pick it up pick up the option the potential is too great gotta do it Totally understandable why people would say that. Uh, if you pick up the option, it's a $17.45 million guarantee contract that Chase Young would get for 2024, mind you. And so it doesn't seem like, I mean, it seems like a relative no-brainer. He obviously has a lot of potential, and you don't let that kind of guy walk. But this is the unique circumstance that the Washington finds itself in, because when you draft four defensive linemen, in the first round in four consecutive years and well, at a minimum three of them have panned out and I'm not saying Chase Young hasn't. It's just obviously the last two years have been derailed between the knee injury as well as, you know, let's not forget he had one and a half sacks in eight games before he got hurt in the ninth game against uh, Tampa Bay that, you know, that led to him then missing 22 games with this injury. If Montez Sweat didn't exist or Payne or Allen didn't exist or Payne or Allen had not been resigned, this would be, I think, a much easier call. But when you have Chase Young, if you give him the option at $17.45 million, in 2024, John Allen and Deron Payne, their contracts, their cap hits, I should say, will both be over $20 million that year. 
that is a ton of money already invested in this position. And now you're able to have Montez Sweat going into free agency. Now, if you give Chase Young the option, if you pick up the option, I should say, you still lose you the franchise tag for Montez Sweat. Well, the franchise tag projection is roughly $24 million. I really have not found many and maybe any, but certainly not many people around the league who think it makes sense to keep all four of these guys on a second contract. I understand the salary cap number keeps going up. They're hoping that Sam Howell works out on, and if he does, and on that rookie contract, you can do a lot more things when you're only paying the the starting quarterback a million dollars a year or less. But that's still a ton of money to go to one position. And even in the story I have, even somebody who said they should pick up Chase Young's option, he still acknowledges that keeping all four of them is is unlikely. But for reasons you can go check out in the story, he says he still would do it. So I think this is a really fascinating discussion. And I think for me, it all comes down to, do you believe that they can keep four of them together or not? I think that is the the real dilemma and i feel confident that they don't know themselves let's not forget that a year ago they were in position to negotiate with deron Payne. they didn't do that they were in position to draft other other positions in in the second round they chose a defensive tackle i think they were pre- preparing themselves to be in a world where they were going to move on from Deron Payne at the end of the year, not because Deron Payne was a bad player or anything along those lines, but because you had four guys, teams typically would rather pay defensive ends and defensive tackles. You'd already paid John Allen and so on. And Payne did what he did. They decided to go down that route. And I think one reason for them to, well, okay. That, that, actually, what I was going to say it doesn't even matter because they were, they, they would in theory have young and sweat this year regardless, unless they decided to trade one of them. Um, I, I just think, though, if you pick up the option, you make it a lot harder to keep Montez Sweat for the reasons I just said about the franchise tag and the cost. Or if you, if you sign him to an extension, that's still a ton of money. What do you do? It's a really interesting situation, and it's understandable why Ron Rivera is waiting or he's saying he's waiting for a new owner to weigh in the timing may not work on that, uh, but we will see, you know, we'll see how that goes. And just lastly, um, Ron Rivera in Phoenix was asked just flat out, like, can you, you know, what's the reality of keeping these four guys? And his answer was, you know, quote, yes and no, actually, it just depends on what those contracts are. They're not going to come in at a discount. Nobody's going to sign for 12 million if the market is 20. So we kind of know what the numbers are going to be at some point, and now it's just a matter of how do you work it out best. And I think I'd rather give myself a shot at keeping Montez Sweat, who's been the better of the two ends, therefore declining Chase Young's option and give myself the chance to use the tag on either one. Oh, by the way, you could sign one and use the tag on the other next year. But if you go with the Chase Young option now, I I, I just don't see how you're – Again, picking up the fourth lineman. And to me, that is the overriding story. So check out the story on The Athletic. Some uh, some good insight from some league sources and some other information as well. Uh, so go check that out. Of course, you can, there's always a, a discount there if you haven't subscribed yet to The Athletic. Um, all right, let's get to it. A really interesting conversation with, again, Teddy Schleifer from Puck News. 
we're, we're, we're it's sort of like we're looking imagine the picture in your head of this Dan Snyder selling conversation but now we're going to shift it slightly to the right or the left or whatever because now we're talking about a, a, a guy in Jeff Bezos who we just don't have not had a lot of color on and not a real ton of sense of what his strategy is but we're going to get some of that right now here on the standard room only podcast all right. Uh, needless to say, the top story in these parts remains what is happening with the commander's owner uh, ownership, the franchise sale and all that. And it does feel like there's been this one piece of the puzzle that's just been sort of hovering out there without any real definition to it. Uh, and that is, of course, is Jeff Bezos getting involved and here to help us discuss that. Uh, somebody who wrote just wrote a story about Jeff Bezos and his and what he's what he's up to. Uh, Teddy Schleifer with Puck News. Teddy, thanks so much uh, for joining me. You bet. Um, so before we sort of get to the specific aspect of the commanders, I kind of I'm interested by the fact that you're coming at this from a different way. Obviously, most of the people talking about this potential sale, like myself or a beat reporter, or if there's the NFL insiders, or there's like the NFL enterprise writers, like your Don Van Natas with ESPN who do these deep dives into the organization or into league matters, but it's always coming from the league perspective. And what's so right. interesting about these, but these sales is the people who are looking to buy them are not actually in the league. So it is a little bit sometimes harder to get a feel for who these people are. Even a guy who is, you know, one of the richest people on planet earth, Amazon founder, owner of the Washington post and all that. You, of course, I'm looking at your Twitter bio uh, I write about Silicon Valley billionaires and their impact on the world. Well, okay. Uh, I don't know if the, command, the commanders are our world. So, 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 so there you go. How did you kind of get into writing about Silicon Valley billionaires? And, uh, and obviously to some degree, that's going to be, I guess, I don't know if Jeff Bezos technically counts as Silicon Valley, but clearly. yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, uh, the, the way I think about the, the kind of the rich guy beat, right. Is, is it's, it's a fun beat because it has, a lot of different tentacles because wealthy people fund a lot of stuff, right? So a, a big part of my beat is like political fundraising and sort of campaigns. Um, I write about philanthropy a lot. I write about kind of nonprofits and foundations um, and, you know, you know, Jeff Bezos' Earth Fund, stuff like that. Um, there's like a tax component to the beat. We write about, you know, wealth management and, you know, uh, family planning and the heirs, um, and then there's just like M and A, right? So, so um, you know, Elon Musk buying Twitter, right? That's a that's a Silicon Valley billionaires, you know, impact on the world. Um, Don't and get I've me covered on that topic. That 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 sure. uh, that topic gets me uh, more riled up than this one. But go ahead. All right, I'll, we'll, we'll reel back in. No, I'm but, kidding. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. It's fun. Yeah. No, but you know, and so you know, I've written a little bit about sports deals over the years, just when you know, from like an M and A point of view, right? Which is you know, it's not that different than you know any other business reporter. Um, where uh, these are these are deals, right? That are that are not uh, structurally different than you know Coke buying Pepsi, right? I mean, you have bankers you involve, you have lawyers involved, and you know I've I know some of these people from you know previous you know spins around the globe covering venture capital or private equity, um, and you have the family offices. Um, but right, you know it's you're, you're totally right. Where where uh, you know I'm competing with you know, folks who cover the commanders day to day who like have a much better understanding of Dan Snyder than I do, or frankly, like, you know, I've had to learn a lot about like things that are second nature to you, probably like, you know, NFL ownership equity requirements and stuff like that. Um, or, or frankly, like, you know, 
the state of the team, right? Those are not things I have expertise in. Um, but that's, that's why, like, I always find, you know, just as a fan of, of, of sports and a fan of NFL, like, I always love just reading about um, ownership chases because there's, like, so much ego involved. And it's, like, both a football question and a business question. So it's a fun storyline for sure. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And look, the Jeff Bezos storyline has been hovering over the situation even before Dan mm-hmm. Snyder and his wife said uh, that at the end, near the end of last season, that they were going to evaluate transaction opportunities for the for the team. Because look, the, the, the I'm sure you didn't have to do a lot of homework to realize that the fan base here w- would be th- has been th- would be thrilled to get rid of Dan Snyder and has been in that mindset for years. And it's always been the simple of well. Sure, some billionaire would buy it, but let's just pick Jeff Bezos because he's he's got yeah. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a base here now. You know, people th- you know think he would be a good owner for whatever the reason. There hasn't been a ton of evidence that he's actually in the mix. I mean, there's been some. You mentioned the in your story that he hired an investment bank, and 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 that's something that we had written about and others as well. But beyond yeah. that, like, okay, I mean, to what end though? Did did he, what did he discover? And one thing that was interesting, I thought, with your story is like how, I guess, if I'm reading this right, that Jeff Bezos, this has been kind of his shtick almost for, in, in other moves that he 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 lingers, he's whispering, he's waiting, he's waiting in the weeds. And then he goes and makes a move. Talk about that, his what you've seen in his strategy and other ways and how that could potentially be in play here. Sure. Um, so I definitely think he's interested. Um, I do not think there's a doubt on that. Um, you know, I think, you know, I reported on the story that Jeff has told friends over the years that he wants to own an NFL team, period. Um, um, now I say, you know, A or A or an NFL team, because I don't think he necessarily is like, you know, head over heels about the commander specifically. Right. Um, I think it's just that this is the team that's available. But it was interesting to me that like, I, I did a little bit of reporting on this and just to double check, you know, the public record, like he basically did not make any effort to acquire the Broncos, like did not, you know, and if, if he was totally, you know, agnostic about any team, right. Like maybe you would have expected him like Josh Harris, right. Who, you know, tried to get the Broncos, like, you know, these people typically sometimes takes the multiple bids and, you know, he could have gotten the Broncos with a crazy number too. So, um, um, but right. His strategy here, um, look, he's hired bankers. Um, is that significant? To, to, to some extent, you know, you know, these deals aren't really done without bankers. Like I've talked to some people around the league and in, in kind of the deal community who like sort of think that like evaluating how much these franchises are worth is like not really rocket science. You know, it's just, a, you know, it's so driven by the media deals. And, um, you know, is it six or five, nine or six, one? Like, I think you need bankers for like the negotiation process, but like in a certain, you know, I don't think Jeff is like going to discover some, some hidden, you know, war chest, you know, buried, buried, you know, under Landover. Like it's pretty clear how much these franchises are worth. He's going um, to find there's oil underneath the stadium. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um, so, so, but his, his strategy has been, um, you know, to, to hover, hover nearby and, um, you know, in the in the NBA speak, it, it's optionality, right? You want to be, you want to have the opportunity to buy the team, um, but you don't want to commit. And to some extent, it's the same thing with Snyder too, right? Where Snyder wants to preserve optionality, like he wants Bezos to be uh, around. And so, if if Dan wants, you know, to sell it to Bezos for you know twenty seven trillion dollars, he can do it, but he doesn't want to commit. And it's sort of like you know. Uh, it's not totally a Mexican standoff, but there there is an element of 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 both sides 
like wanting to keep the other engaged without necessarily going, you know, uh, going all in here. Um, and to some extent, that's worked. Like my understanding of the state of play right now, um, and I think this broadly matches other people's reporting. I'd be curious if it matches yours. Is like, you know, I, I think that you know Dan hasn't committed to anything, and, and Jeff is hanging around the hoop, and Dan is keeping Jeff around the hoop, and um, uh, like no decisions have been made. But like, this is a live ball. Like, I do, I do not think that Josh Harris has this wrapped up. Um, I think you know the the if, if and if Snyder announced tomorrow that you know that he had sold it to Bezos for six six five I would not be surprised at all um because like Jeff doesn't have to play I mean you've been around sports I mean like there's, there's like a lot of these MA deals with 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 owners and these ownership chases like kind of look the same where like everyone is sort of doing these like leaks and you know you recruit Magic Johnson and you like do this like kind of almost like this publicity campaign to like show you know the other owners that you're a good guy and you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, like Bezos, because he just has so much more money than the other parties here. Like Josh Harris can't put down $15 billion tomorrow. Like that's not, you know, it's not, that's not possible, but like Jeff Bezos can. So I almost feel like he doesn't need to play the game in the same way um, because he just has so much more money than the other contestants. So that's, that's where I think things are right now, but what's, what's your sense of things? Um, Well, I was going to say, you know, it's funny, like, you know, when we talk about this, like obviously Josh Harris has insane money under normal circumstances, but but now as he's like it feels like he's like cobbling together other people to help him like 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 the way I I did with like my roommates in college when we couldn't afford uh dinner, uh you know yeah. so like we would like cobble together like what's the best coupon we can find? Oh, Little Caesars is doing three pizzas. If we all chip in together, we can get this that and the other. And you know it's, it, obviously that's not what this is, but compared to Jeff Bezos. It, it it does feel um that way um you know obviously well to what degree you know because you're not here but like you know a couple of weeks ago it really there was this huge push on Twitter suggesting that this deal was very close uh, sure. analogies used to them they're about to score a touchdown you know balls in the red zone what what have you and then obviously it's already been now a few weeks um it seems apparent that. I think the I think the key is that the Snyders are looking to sell because they have never technically said that, but the way you know team president Jason Rice is openly saying this is gonna get done, they wanted to get done, like okay, so at least that's happening. But beyond that, I you're right, I think that's the question. And then these Charles Gasparino reports that have come out over the last <laughs> week or so on Twitter, you know, he clearly has stated he's friends with the Snyder, thus it seems he's pretty much a mouthpiece for them, I would think. And now lately he's coming out with, oh, yeah, Dan Snyder would be willing to sell to Bezos, which seems like a signal to either say to Jeff, hey, could you get in already? Or a signal to a warning of, hey, this is actually going to happen or, or whatnot. But, yeah, I think I think it's open. I think the only thing with the yeah. Harris group is because of what you just said, that they have been telegraphing some of what they're doing. Uh, Mitchell, Ray, Mitchell Rails as, as a partner, Magic Johnson being involved. We're not hearing any. I, the Canadian billionaire whose name I keep butchering. Apostolopoulos, like, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about his bid. Jeff Bezos, right. he's not saying anything. But Josh Harris yeah. is at least, well, there's something there. Well, I mean, to some extent, I mean, Harris uh, can learn from his mistakes, right? I mean, he he tried last time, you know, didn't win. Um, uh, right. I mean, you know, it, it, like, he has definitely struck um, other people around this deal as, like, as running, a, like, a campaign. Like, it's like a political campaign. You know, you're trying to win... Um, you know, win the support of of 
obviously, you know, it's not really a political campaign. It's really a dictatorship because Dan Snyder gets out of whoever he wants. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but, 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 um, there's, there's an element of, you know, you want a, a mass popular support and, you know, you get in Magic Johnson and like, you know, like, like I, the, the one thing that's sort of curious to me about this, about the Bezos, um, uh, front is like, do you remember there were these stories in like early December that like Jay Z and like Matthew McConaughey were getting involved with the Bezos bid, which was like, sure. I mean, like it's sort of uh, you know celebrity chasing, and like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't undersell the importance of Lauren Sanchez in all of this. Um, so so you know Bezos's um, new partner, they're not they're not married, you know, is um, huge football fan, is obviously the ex wife of Tony Gonzalez, you know, like. Their family is very blended. Like Bezos spends a lot of time with Tony Gonzalez, you know, uh, uh, an odd couple, but, you know, obviously Gonzalez does Thursday Night Football. Like, I mean, I think Jeff is just like very much more around football than he's ever been. Like, you know, he's the chair of Amazon. So like he doesn't have to go to games. Like, you know, he's going to games because he's, you know, 55 years old and is like retired and, um, you know, has fun. Like, I think, you know, I'm, I'm also misremembering. I feel like I've seen him on, tv like sitting next to goodell a couple yeah, times like sure. like like he's not he's not doing that because he he has to it's not like it's not like you know business maintenance he like he's genuinely enjoys football and like you know he's told friends that you know football is a sport he's enjoyed the most growing up um you know he's not really you know was not a huge athlete played a little bit of football growing up growing up uh in florida so so he is a guy who who likes the sport and he has the opportunity to do it um so I would not be surprised if if he walks away with this, and it's going to be, uh, you know, that's that's scary probably for Harris to hear because right? everyone else who's running, who's like, there's almost like there's all these people who are doing this the right way, right? Who are you know hiring the right people, and you know, I'm sure Josh Harris is spending every minute of his day, you know, sucking up to you know the other 31 owners and all that jazz, and then like you just get defeated by someone who you know adds an extra zero to the check. It's got to be pretty emasculating or demoralizing or especially or, when or you're choose. especially when you're that guy where you're basically king of the universe every other day of the year for, sure. you, you know for for what he for what he does yeah that that's got to be bizarre actually yeah. l- l- let me let me pivot off of the, sort of the commander's point to the broader sure. point of the nfl wanting bezos in you touched on this a little bit in a couple different ways on the one hand having you know one of the three or four richest people on the planet you know, especially if he's going to pay a fair amount for this team, which is going to raise the price for all the other teams. And having that kind of a figure in the league could, in theory, like only enhance the overall economic situation for, for everybody. Yeah. My wonder, though, has been, and you touched on this story as well, is for some of these people, from a purely ego perspective, I don't know that yeah. some of them would want Jeff Bezos in. Like, I was just at the owner's meeting. The other day, and you know, Jerry Jones is there, Robert Kraft is there, Jim Ursay, whatever. And you know, in part because of we're chasing the Snyder story, any owner is interesting, but some of them obviously we know have more weight than others. I'm picturing a world where Jeff Bezos is there. Forget the snut, you know, there wouldn't be chasing the Snyder, but if Jeff Bezos is there for whatever the team, everybody's going there. No offense <laughs> to Jerry Jones, but like he's not moving the stock market needle by saying something. The way Bezos would. And I wonder if some of these people be like, eh, maybe I don't want this guy in here. I want to be the king of the hill, not Jeff Bezos's, uh, you know, a turtle from Entourage or something. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. a bit much, but you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I was, I was, I was going to ask you. I mean, like, I mean, do, do, do you feel like the, the spectacle of him would like totally change the league? I mean, he, he would he would instantly become the highest profile owner, right? I mean, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe now that's, you know, Jones or Crafts just given their longevity. But like, um, 
yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like there would be a uh, it would be a spectacle in the way that like obviously like you know the NFL owners are like you know I think I would say probably more than any other league maybe the NBA are like these sort of you know like cultural touchstones you know what I mean where like everyone knows who Jerry Jones is right like I feel like Bezos as an owner would be uh, yeah the the word that comes to mind is, is spectacle yeah I mean obviously from a personality perspective I don't know what he would do because. You know, like I'm picturing like Mark Cuban in the NBA, you know, obviously not right. same wealth wise, but Mark Cuban came in was this instant presence. And obviously he's parlayed that into the Shark Tank and things like that. I don't know, Jeff Bezos. I mean, you know, you would know better than me. Does he run around the world? It doesn't seem like he gives tons of interviews. I don't see him no. at the Academy Awards per se. Like, I, I don't I don't have a feel for him out in the world. I don't even I mean, I guess I know what he sounds like, but like I don't like I'd have to you know, think about probably- it. You probably know the laugh. He, that's that's probably the most well known. Like Bezos is this huge, like uproarious laugh where he kind of cocks his head back and you know, uh, just Google image search Bezos laugh. Um, um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, he he is uh, uh, very much like he did, he does not do a lot of interviews, but he is like, you know, is a uh, an iconic figure in in business, obviously, and also like I think like in culture more so now than you know, a decade ago, um, you know, he's like in page six all the time, partially because Lauren Sanchez, you know, people are like, Bezos was spotted, you know, eating at this LA restaurant with Pete Davidson, Is you know, like, 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 you know, I, I feel like to some people who knew Bezos a decade ago, it's almost like unrecognizable, the person he's become, you know, like he used to just be this like ruthless, you know, business icon. And obviously, like Amazon's gotten a lot bigger, you know, I think they're now the largest private employer in the country, maybe second to Walmart. But like, you know, you know, Bezos is like if you walk down the street and you saw Jeff Bezos, you would like recognize Jeff Bezos like a decade ago. I don't know if that was true. Like you'd be like, oh, that's like a, you know, normal bald dude, you know. Um, um, so, so um, you know, I, I think the spectacle of having him in the league w- would would be distracting at times. Um, the, uh, the other like much more real business uh, question, and and I'm curious to get your, your read on this is like, um, the fact that Amazon is like you know a media partner of the league is broadcasting Thursday Night Football now. Like, there would clearly have to be some like real lawyered conversations about you know recusals. Um, you know the fact that Bezos, um, uh, you know obviously has a business interest in, in in Amazon keeping Thursday Night Football, but also like you could argue, you know, can he really be impartial on questions about like you know, NBC or Apple or you right. know, whomever, whomever else, you know, and like that is the business, right? Like, the, you know, the media media deals are the future like, and the present kind of the league. And if Bezos is going to like recuse himself from like all media deal conversations, that seems like um, that's not like, oh, you know, we'll recuse ourselves from, you know, things having to do with, you know, this particular lawyer or something, right? That's like a pretty massive recusal. And I sort of wonder how workable that would be. And on that front, like if I'm, an, if I'm Jerry Jones and you're there and you're saying, well, sure, Jeff Bezos is going to mark up the value of my stock, so to speak, by, you know, by paying an absurd amount of money, um, which Josh Harris will not. But like with if Josh Harris or, or Apostolopoulos like buys this team, like there's no conflict of interest with the media deals. And like, I, I see the appeal of that where where it just makes things less complicated. Yeah, no, I think that's a I think that's an excellent point. And 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 uh yeah, that's why yeah, that's among the reasons why Jeff Bezos feels like a a much more complex like as a beat reporter potentially having to cover whichever one of these owners. I feel like with yeah. Josh Harris, 
feels pretty straightforward. With Jeff Bezos, there's going to be a lot more complicated stories that come up, not even talking about things that happen with Amazon, the business itself, and do, all of a sudden, do we have to ask questions? But the idea, just like what you just said, in terms of the league business, how they're already intertwined, and, and that could cause yeah. some um, confusion. Um, I, I, I appreciate the time, and I, I don't want to hold you up too much, but just a couple quick last things. And I'll, sure. I'll I, 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 have one, I have one question for you also. At the end. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no! Go ahead. Right. I was just I was just curious on on, on the on the Snyder front, just because you know him, you know, and and his, his sense so much better. Like like, do you get the sense that like Snyder would really, you know, like how how financially driven do you think he is? Just from a like, you know, if if Bezos, uh, you know, spends, you know, an absurd amount of money to buy this and and tops the bid, um, you know, I know obviously you guys reported that um that Snyder was you know very uncomfortable with Bezos bidding and you know may have even blocked him from bidding like. To what extent do you think that's kind of posturing versus like if there's a real bid on the table that's you know absurd amount of money, you know that makes Dan Snyder richer? To what extent do you think he is driven by the money? Yeah, I mean, I think look, you know, there's obviously been tons of investigations over the last few years, and I think people kept waiting for one of these things to be the the, the reason that he gets out, and I think for some people that'd be probably more satisfying on some level because mm -hmm. it would be him being um, getting done in by his own deeds. But I really think the reality is. The money is the problem for him. That his cash flow, because he had he had to spend a ton of money to buy out his partners. He had to get this you know debt waiver from the league. He may ESPN reported this secret uh, line of credit he had, and obviously the business itself, meaning the commanders, you know the fans aren't showing up anymore, and everything's taking a, a bit of a dip because because of that. So I think that's what's driving it, and ultimately. All the idea that he wouldn't sell to Bezos because of the Washington Post coverage, I've never bought into that. I that that I mean, Jeff Bezos has nothing to do with that. I, the, my funniest one was when people said he would have to sell the Post to buy the oh, Commanders, yeah. and I was like, why would that even matter? He if, if Snyder wouldn't be owning the organization anymore, why would that matter? But yeah, ultimately, I do think the money. You know, look, I think for most of these guys, I do think the money. I don't. I would be surprised, I guess, if the coverage of the post or whatever the other reason he may have an issue with bezos would lead him to say yeah i don't want it i mean i guess maybe there's a line of if it's 250 million over on a six billion dollar bid maybe he's like yeah screw right. you i'll go this way but in general i just don't i i'd be surprised i guess if that was um a thing but but speaking of that that's one of the things i wanted to ask you you right. have in your story and this was this was one of the things that maybe surprised me the most was that at some point here bezos and snyder have actually talked to some degree, yeah. I, I don't. I, apologies, I don't remember exactly if you had what we know the conversation was, but just that they even acknowledged each other that they did talk. I thought was pretty notable because it did seem as if, whether it was ego or frustration or whatever, that I didn't know that they had any kind of real relationship or had that any type of conversation like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a ton of detail on on, on that. I, I report that they have. They spoke. I think late last year. Um, um and they do not have a real relationship like you know they know each other in kind of like a washington kind of way you know see each other at like the gridiron dinner or whatever or whatever people do here um um but the the two of them i i wish i had more details on that definitely definitely something i want to look into a little bit more um is you know th there's there is enough of a, there's enough interest that they spoke about it um so i'm very curious to know i mean look th these things snyder probably sp you know speaks to lots of people right um sure. But but um, the relationship is not really strong, like, um, you know, so. All right. Well, just like I said, even just the fact that they were, I would love to know who how that worked it. 
who who had somebody's person call the other team the other side and get that yeah. organized that uh, did, did you see that like gasparino uh our friend the other day tweeted uh that like that like there had been like some like back channel conversations between like bezos and Stein. i mean i you know i don't necessarily always trust everything charlie reports um <laughs> um but uh yeah as you said a couple minutes ago like he clearly is has some line into like the Snyder like family office, I'm guessing. Yeah. Or, or 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 I don't exactly know who that would be, but um, you know, biases aside or, or taking that as, as it is, um, that tells you something about uh you know, some communication between the Bezos side and the Snyder side. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um what uh and i don't know if you watch succession i almost imagine you have to on some level sure. for, right so like without spoiling too much the other day when the new season just started and the three kids you know they're trying to figure out what their next move is and they get a call from dad from logan's uh, girlfriend assistant whatever saying he would like to talk to them and they're like well yeah. is he calling us no we want you guys right. to call them well, right, I don't know right, about right. that. We kind of need to hear that voice. How about you? How about he said? What, what if he sends a text? And like I, that's how I'm imagining right. the Bezos Snyder conversation. Oh, he wants to talk. Sure. Well, he can call me. Um, all right. Look, there's yeah. a ton of interesting things in the story, and I encourage everybody to go check it out on Puck News. I guess just lastly, though, what do you think happens? Sure. You know, I think ultimately he he is definitely. Uh, I would I would bet on him if I could. All right, get the time. You bet. All right. Many thanks to Teddy Schleifer for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast, as always, and my work on The Athletic. Uh, you know, we don't know when any news is going to come on the sale. We'll be ready for when it does. Uh, until then, keep living your life. Have fun. Don't, don't, don't be like me and just freaking out every time your phone beeps that it could be some big news. Uh, <laughs> but enjoy it. The, weather's, the weather is great. Very warm here in the D.C. area. Hope everybody can get out and enjoy that. That is it for now, though. Ben Standig signing off. Until next time. See ya.